Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew. I want to talk a little bit this morning about faith. Turn to the, the Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to start with about verse 19. Talk a little bit about faith, a little bit about end time, a little bit about everything. How's that sound? Amen. I heard a guy say one time, if a preacher takes one scripture, means he's not been studied up and he's going to preach all day. Okay, well, I got several scriptures, so everybody said, <laughs> John was the first one. Okay, hey, man, you don't want you preaching all day. Jesus is talking about a mustard seed, and uh, he's talking about how we need to have faith. And so she's going to, Deb's going to bring it up, and I'm not going to call Deb a he because I was calling you a she last week, and that went right along with the progressive liberals. I didn't mean to do that, you know, so... I got a chuckle out of Mark even over there on that side. So, amen. So I said a funny, okay. What does Mar Mar Mario Morello say? He's, he'd go out in front of his pulpit and he'd look and say, it's funny even though nobody else laughs. Okay. So she's going to bring it up and we're going to look at it. And we're talking about the mustard seed here. It says, then, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him, the devil, out? Look at verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. Now watch this. And it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Praise the name of the Lord. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. How many of you see that? Praise the Lord. Can somebody? All right, so, so I don't even know where I was at now. Okay, I just remembered. All right, here we go. So, so I wonder if they, they came to him privately because they didn't want anybody else to know they didn't know. You, you know what I'm talking You ever been that way that, that you might come to somebody and say, hey, you know, I don't want anybody to know that I don't know this, but I don't know this. And I've had to do that many times in coming to the Lord. And, okay. Just now, keep going, I'm not here. Okay, you're not here. Somebody give that guy a dime. All right, here we go. Is it, he just got a raise. All right, here we go. He just got a raise. All right. So then they, they do it. So, but, but they're asking this question, and, and the question is, uh, they, they couldn't drive out this, this devil uh, out of this young man. And, and the Lord says, okay. And, and so he's going to tell them. And they said to him, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we take command over that demon? Jesus says something here. Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. And, and, and many times when we see the littleness of our faith, we see that as something condemning. But, but Jesus is not condemning them here. He's going to let them know the littleness of your faith can grow. Amen? So he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, or faith that's not being used. You know, we talk a lot about faith, especially in our charismatic Pentecostal holiness churches. We talk about faith, but we really don't use faith, okay, in a lot of things. You know, for instance, we'll come up and we'll say, pray that when I go to the doctor, I get a good report. So we're actually putting the faith in the doctor's report. But what if, we, what if we said this, and this is not me, this is, this is Robert Morris's, and this is what Robert Morris said. He said, what would happen if you said, pray for me so the doctors see the good report? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a lot better? And Jesus said, because of the littleness of your faith, okay, for, for it's faith that's not being used. But you have faith. When, when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he give you a measure of his faith. So you have faith. It's not because you don't have faith. It's because you don't use your faith, okay? And all Jesus is saying here, he says, because of the littleness of your faith, okay? Okay, so faith not being used. 
For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Now there's something about a mustard seed, and we've had heard many, many messages on it. But the mustard seed is the littlest of all seeds. Of all seeds, it's the littlest of all seeds. But the mustard seed has more tenacity than any other seed. The, the mustard seed can actually split a rock. Did you know that? Did you ever see a tree coming out of a rock? Isn't that amazing that that seed had to get underneath that rock? And we say, well, it's the sunlight. There's no sunlight under there. All that seed was, that, that seed was determined to grow. And so it, it, it's going to grow even if it has to split the rock. It's going to grow. And so here, here's one thing. He's going to use the mustard seed. And the reason why he used the mustard seed, it's the littlest of all seeds. He said, you will say to this mountain, move here, and it will move, or move there, and it, it, it will be cast into the sea. Okay? The Bible says here it will move because Jesus says that nothing will be impossible for you. And, and that's what Jesus said. That's not what Larry Gray saying. That's not what Robert Morris is saying. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you use the faith that you have. The littleness of your faith will grow if you liken it unto a mustard seed. And here's what he says. He's saying, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. When, when the doctor says, hey, you know what? You're terminal. You can smile and say, I know that. But I don't have to go when you say I'm going. But I, I know that if Jesus doesn't come, I'm terminal. How many of you know that, that we all have that house that we got to buy, okay? And that, that's a, either a little tube from being cremated or a, a, a grave. Or, a, but, but there's that, that, that earthly thing, okay? But we're just going to relocate to glory. But, but the thing of it is, we're going to die. Period. We're going to die. But Jesus, isn't it wonderful about what, what the Lord did when he went to the cross? Not only did he save us, but he made so many provisions for us. He saved us from our sin, okay? And he saved us from hell. We're going to go to heaven. But he also made provisions for this flesh. It's, it's an amazing thing. The devil, who is the prince of this world, feels like he has priority over everything. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, if you use, your, if you use the, this faith uh, as a grain of mustard seed, guess what it's going to? It's going to grow into a large bush, and it's going to grow into the largest bush of all the seeds. And it, it's almost like a tree. It grows so big that Jesus says in one, uh, trans, uh, one part of the Bible, he says that the birds of the, uh, of the air will, will uh, uh, set in the tree and feed from the tree, and it says that the animals will come under the tree for shade. And so this, this, this mushroom, this seed just mushrooms, and it gets, gets really big. And then Jesus says something. This is what Jesus says. He said, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Look at somebody and say nothing. Nothing. It says, nothing shall be impossible to you. That's what it says. It says, nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, that's an amazing thing because we look at things and we see things as impossible, but Jesus said they're not impossible. God's a healer. God is a healer. Now, let's go back to one point that I don't want to miss. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Understand that. But, hey, how about let's do it on God's time? And, and let's do it this way. Let's do it with, knowing that we're in the, in, in the will of God and that God still opens up ears while we're on this earth. God still opens the blinded eyes while we're still on this earth. He's still the healer of cancer. Nothing can stand against God. He's still the healer. Uh, of uh, of diabetes he, he's still the healer he's still jesus he's still the savior he's still the redeemer and he says this he says nothing will be impossible for you and then he goes on to say something that's very interesting he says but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting He's talking about a people that's going to be dedicated. He's talking about a people that's in love with him. He's talking about a people that's just going to serve him day and night. He's talking about when, when you see something that is difficult, it's not difficult for God if you are in prayer and fasting. And something about Jesus he didn't do. He didn't call the disciples up and say, hey, let's pray and let's fast this week because we're going to enter into that. No, no. He lived a life of fasting and a life of prayer. Jesus did. Kenneth Hagin would, would, would fast and pray for every time that, that uh, he went on a crusade, he would fast and pray. And then he realized one day that Jesus didn't do that. 
he realized that one day Jesus lived a life of fasting and prayer. And so he decided that he was just going to push away from the table and the rest of his life would be dedicated to fasting and prayer. And that's why he had dominion in spiritual warfare over the devil. Now, what's interesting about this chapter, this verse right here, is a lot of translations have taken this verse out to fit their doctrine. Now, there's a footnote at the bottom of every translation. If your translation has left verse 21 out, here's what it's going to do. It's going to go from 19 to 20. It's going to go from 19, 20 down to 22, okay? It will leave that out. But, but let, let me tell you this. Watch this. It, it leaves it out, and, but it, they, they make a footnote. And they'll say in a lot of manuscripts, yes, in the earlier manuscripts, that's in there. In the later manuscripts, that's taken out because we have taken out so many different things to fit our doctrines. How many of you know that? Listen to what Jesus said. He said, this kind only comes out by what? By fasting and prayer or prayer and fasting. That's what he says and so there's sometimes when you can lay hands on somebody, boom, and God moves. And there's sometimes when you have to have a prevailing prayer. Anybody ever been in prevailing prayer? Right now, Nancy and I are in a prevailing prayer for our neighbors. My goodness, we don't know how to minister to them, but we're saying to the Lord, you know, open up doors, and he'll open up doors. But there's times when you have to have a prevailing prayer on many things. Daniel had to have a prevailing prayer because sometimes the devil tries to get in there and stop that prayer. How many of you know that the devil came in there and he stopped the, the answer from getting to Daniel? Now listen to why he stopped the answer from getting to Daniel. Because he felt that if he stopped the answer from getting to Daniel, Daniel would lose faith. And you do too. And I'm not telling you there's times that I don't. But listen to what Jesus said. He says, when there's something that's going on like this, you need to be ready for that. Now, how are you going to be ready for that? You're going to be ready for that because you live a life of prayer and fasting. And so Kenneth Hagin decided that's what he was going to do for the rest of his ministry. And that's when God took him into the most powerful part of his ministry. And that was that he had dominion over demons and devils and he was in a spiritual warfare all the time like nobody ever was in a spiritual warfare. Now, I've been reading a lot and I've been studying a lot about the Old Testament, getting back into the Old Testament and reading the Old Testament. And so, so I know that, that and, and I'm getting into the Old Testament because I want to see how the kings operate. And so, you know, Israel would sin. And when Israel sinned, they'd call on the Lord, okay, because of the calamity that would befall them. God allowed the calamity to come. And then God would come, and he would save them from their calamity because they would call out to him. And then every now and then, you'd get a king in that would serve the Lord, okay? And, and, uh, but you had David who always served the Lord, and then you had Josiah who would always serve the Lord. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later on. But, but it's an amazing thing. And then every now and then, uh, you, the Bible says about Jeroboam, said he was the worst of all the kings. He was the most evil. And then it says about Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Isn't this interesting that Solomon was the smartest man in the world and Rehoboam was the dumbest? Did you know that? Solomon, the smartest man in all the world, and his son, really stupid. And the reason why his son was stupid was because when he has to have advice... He just, he, he just dismissed all the gray-headed people, and he put all these young people around him who don't know nothing, okay? Don't know anything. And so, you know, God said, you know what? You're just dumb, all right? So we had the smartest guy, and we had the dumbest guy. Isn't that amazing? And so what happens is they did evil in the sight of God, and then every now and then you'd get a king in there that would start to worship the Lord and come back to serve the Lord, but there's something that they would not do. Now listen to what they would not do. They come in and they start to serve the Lord, but they wouldn't tear down the altars of Baal and they wouldn't tear down the altars of Molech and they wouldn't tear down the high places. They would serve the Lord as kings, but they wouldn't tear the things down. And, and I'm looking at that and God's impressing upon me that in our churches we do the same thing. We, we, we talk about the Lord and we preach about faith and we do these things, 
But listen, we have Baal in our church and we have Molech in our church. I, I'm not talking about this church so much as I'm talking about the church as a whole, but I'm talking about this church too. We, we need to look at it. What, what, what is stopping our prayers from getting to heaven? What is stopping God from answering our prayers? Yeah, I've been praying about our school. I pray about our school every night, and here's something that's happened. God did some weeding out last year, and, and, and God did some weeding out, and now, you know what? God has given back to us a school that, that, that we can teach these kids about Jesus Christ. It can be the most Christ-centered school that we've ever had. And as a matter of fact, we can raise up our own curriculums, which we're starting to do right now anyway. But understand what, what we did. And this is what I felt like we did. I, I don't know if, if Pastor Bill and Doris and, and different ones are going to agree. But, but I felt like we tore down the high places. I felt like that we tore down the different gods. And God allowed us to tear those things down so that we can pray faith. And we can pray uh, in faith and that God will answer our prayers. And so, so this, this coming year, this, this school needs to be Christ-centered. As if no school's ever been Christ-centered, like we need to have a Christ-centered church. We need to have a Christ-centered school. We need to have a Christ-centered church. And we need to have a church that truly believes that God can and that nothing's impossible. That that seed, that mustard seed has been sown inside of us and God can do it. We, we, that we can speak to these empty chairs and God will start filling these empty chairs. And we say, God, bring them in and we'll get them saved. No, God says, you bring them in and I'll save them. How, how about that as, as a difference? You know, but, but tearing down the high places. And you say, well, pastor, what's the high places? Well, the high places just could be TV. Period. It, it could just be TV. Oh, we know the sins of pornography. We know that they're in the church. We know the sins of drugs. Are in the, we know those sins are in the church. And, 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 and I'm going to say that most, I don't know if everybody, but most in this church don't partake into that stuff, okay? And, and we're not going to partake in, in adultery, I don't think, or fornication and things of that nature. It might be happening to you right now. If it is, God can deliver you. Somebody say amen to that. But how about high places? Just how about TV itself? How about different things that we just put in place? How about greed? How about greed? And, and we say, you can't serve God. The, the love of money is the root to all evil. But I, I'm telling you right now, man, you love God, but you start touching his pocketbook, and he's going to show you how much he don't love you. Now you start. I, I remember Jack Wells. I love Jack Wells. A little bitty old guy. stood about this tall, okay? But he loved the Lord. And, and he, here's what Jack Wells says. And, and Jack Wells was very instrumental in our first school of, of really doing a lot for us financially in that first school. And Jack Wells said, when God saved me here, he saved me here. He said, when he saved me here, he saved me here. And, and, and understand something, that's the way God does. And so when, when, I, when I look at these, these Old Testament churches, I mean these Old Testament kings, they, they, they came in to serve the Lord. But when they came in to serve the Lord, they didn't tear down what they needed to tear down. When God called Gideon, Gideon went in there and tore down the, pro, the, the altars of Baal, and he went and tore down the high places, okay? Joash, we're going to talk about him in a moment, but he tore down the high places, and he tore down Baal. Hey, hey listen, let me, let me tell you about the prophet of Baal. He, he was in, he, the, the prophet of Baal was number one for abortion, and Molech was number one for abortion. How, how many of you know that, that, that Baal and Molech were number one when it came to any kind of sexual sin, all of them. Uh, and the, there was nothing wrong in, 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 with, with Baal and Molech when it, when it comes to sexual sins. They would say, none of those things are wrong. They're all right, all of them. And they would teach that. That's why Jezebel took the prophets of God out of there so she can set her own prophets up. Well, well, understand this one thing. They set those prophets up, and Ahab comes in, and he allows Jezebel to kill the prophets, set up the high places. But the problem was not with Je uh, Ahab as king. He, he was the problem. But the problem was the priest wouldn't come against that. The priest wouldn't come against that. They wouldn't tear down the altars, and they wouldn't tear down the high places. And let, let me tell you about not tearing. It doesn't fit with faith. How many of you understand it doesn't fit with faith? Here's what the Lord's impressing upon me with our school. We don't have to be like everybody else, and we don't have to be like every other Christian school. 
God, God will design a program for us if we'll let him. God will do that. Then what we need to do is take these kids back to the grass root of who Jesus Christ is and show him, show them that nothing's impossible with God. But first of all, we have to believe that ourselves. We have to say, this is what God wants. This, listen, I, I'm telling you, and, and, and I know that you might get angry with me over this, but, but it needs to be said, I am telling you the public school is so dangerous, you can't believe how dangerous it is. I was seeing over the news that a mother is being sued by the school board because she went in and asked them about the curriculum that she didn't want them to be giving it to her child. And when she asked them about the curriculum, they said, that's none of your business. I'm going to tell you something. Everything about your kid is your business. How many of you understand that? And understand this one thing. When, why did God give that kid to you? Because he knew that you was the best to train that kid. That's why. He didn't give me your kid. He, and he didn't give me, you my kid. Because I was the one that needed to train those kids. And he knew I was the best Bible school for them. And you're the best Bible school for your kids and for your grandkids. Understand this one thing. We're not any good at all if we don't tear down the high places. We can talk about the mustard seed. We can talk about all those things. But until we tear those things down, nothing's going to work. Listen to me. It doesn't fit with faith. Here's what fits with faith. Praying and fasting. That fits with faith. Let me tell you what doesn't fit with faith. Baal and Moloch doesn't fit with faith. But yet we have allowed them to come in. We look at greed. We look at pride. Hey, we look at people being lazy. What is, whatever is between you and God is a high place. It's an altar that you have built up. It's an altar that you have built up. The mustard seed. Let me tell you about the Middle Eastern mustard seed. Smallest of all seeds, but it grows to be the largest bush. It grows to be as large as a tree when it's fully grown. This little faith grows into big faith. How many of you know that your little faith will grow into big faith? You're praying for your kids. Hey, let me ask you, let me ask you this. You show me by your hands because we're going to take that. How many of you are praying right now for backslidden kids? Look at that. Look at that. Praying for backslidden kids. How many of you are praying for backslidden grandchildren? Yeah. Hey, how many of you are praying for some of your children that at one time was in church but are gone? Yeah. We run into some people yesterday, that, and she said, all my kids are backslid. They was, they was hot for the Lord. She looked at me and she said, all of my kids are backslid. There's a reason why. You know why? Because maybe we have some high places set up. Maybe we have some altars set up. And then we who are praying for our kids, maybe our kids are, maybe our prayers are being stopped by, by the devil himself. And why are they being stopped? Because you know what? There's a doctor out there, one of our kids, that might find the cure for cancer, might find the cure for all of these things. Or there, there's one of our kids or one of our grandkids that is a president that can change some things. But anyway, he's, gonna, he's, gonna, he, he's just determined to stop our prayers. So how are we going to get our prayers answered? Jesus said this kind only comes out. This demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Understand something. And living a life of prayer and fasting. So how did, how did Kenneth Hagin, how did he live a life of fasting? He just pushed away from the table. It wasn't that he starved himself. He just pushed away from the table and he didn't become a glutton. Nancy and I have started to do something that's really helped me, okay? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a bit, I was a big eater. Before I had this, this heart surgery, I was a big, I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. I'm not a big eater anymore. So what we've been doing is splitting meals, okay? She eats most of it, okay? I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. She doesn't, okay? Well, it all depends on what we like in that riot. But, but we split that meal and here's one thing that I find. that we can split that meal, and I, I walk away from that table, and I'm not hungry because it just push away from it. Because, because we need the, our little faith needs to grow into big faith, okay? You, you don't need more faith. Just plant what you have and watch it grow. You don't need more faith. Just, just take the faith that God's given you, plant it, and watch it grow. And, and when, when, when God talks to you to remove the altars, when he talks to you, to remove the high places, okay, remove them. 
Because all that is is of the enemy. When, when he says remove foreign gods. It's an amazing thing about Solomon. Solomon is the wisest man in all the world. And yet God said to this. He said, he said to Solomon. He said, Don't, he said only take your wives from, from the Israelites. He said, he didn't tell him. He, do you know that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines? I'm telling you, he, that, he, he, the good thing he didn't get divorced because I'm telling you, even though he was the richest man in the world, all of that child support would have been terrible. Okay? It really would have. But, but, but God said, you know what? Solomon, don't go. And the first thing Solomon did was went right into Egypt and married Pharaoh's daughter. Now, here, here's the reason why that God said, don't do it, Solomon. He said, because Solomon, he said, your heart's going to go out to them women, and you are going to put an altar in there for every one of their gods. And so listen to what he did. He had over 1,000 altars built in the land of Israel to gods other than Jehovah. Can you imagine that? Serving all kinds of gods. The smartest man in the world. And then we wonder why his son came out a drooler. We wonder why. Well, listen, because you can't defy the living God. You can't defy the word of God. You have to remove the altars. You have to remove the high places, and you have to remove the foreign gods. Now, I know, I know that you're not serving Baal. You're, you, if I was to say here, if we took a vote on who believed in abortion, I'm sure that abortion is murder. I, I believe that we would have 100%. I, I believe that. If we if we said you know that 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 uh, homosexuality is 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 against the nature of man, so it's against the nature of God. I'm sure that we would have a hundred percent. But listen, there's other gods that we follow after that are stopping us from having a relationship with the Lord. Do you know that there are so many uh, worship leaders that are more into the sound and more into worship than they are in, in into really worshiping the Lord. And that's why the one guy wrote the song. What did he write that song that he just wanted to almost quit that because it wasn't given God glory, it was given man glory. That can, that can be a, a Baal. That, that, can, that can be a foreign God. There, there's other things that can be a foreign God. You know, your, your eyes can be a foreign God. And what is that? You know, what, what do you look at? What, what, what's in your heart? What do you see? Might not come out of your mouth. Listen to me. You know what? We, we talk about doing these things. You know, we talk about uh, uh, we shouldn't do these things, but yet we do other things. Now, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if there's a speck in your brother's eye, he said, you need to take the log out of your own eye so you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. How many of you understand? He's not ta saying don't take the speck out. He's just saying take the beam or the log that's in your own eye. Understand? Here's what, here's what uh, Paul the Apostle talks with, with the Corinthians. He says, one guy says you can eat this, and the other guy says you can't eat this, and you can do this, and you can do that. And he said, listen to me. He said, he said, go, he said go by what dictates your conscience, for instance. You know, he said, this meat that's being laid the, to the idols, there, he said, there's no such thing as an idol. How many of you know? So he said, the meat's okay, but if your conscience is bothering you, don't do it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, but don't make a God out of it. How many of you are getting a hold of this? Okay, so we can make a God out of different things. We can make a God out of food. We can make a God out of your house. You can make a God out of anything that you want to, but you have to remove the altars. I have to remove the altars and the, and the high places and the foreign gods. And, and you know what? There, there's, I, I remember... Uh, 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 a lady that I, a, a man that I knew, and, and he played checkers all the time. He is checker, he's just checker fanatic, and he played checkers. And so one day God convicted him, and uh, so he said, I can't play checkers no more, and neither can you. He was a pastor. There, God convicted me of checkers, so everybody can't play checkers. I hope God didn't convict me of pool. I love playing that game, I love beating people at pool. Okay, Mark's going, yeah, it's only a man ever got out of Mark right there. Mark, Mark's the only one now left in the church that'll come and play me pool. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. John's forsaken me. Tony's forsaken me. You know, yeah, and I'm just teasing there. But, but so, so he said, no, nah, nobody can play checkers no more. 
Nobody can eat this food no more. Nobody can do this no more. Okay. And then, and then, and then in my dad's church, there was this wonderful lady. She, she was such a, she, such a great lady. She was a rather large lady, and she'd sit where Pastor Don's sitting in that place. And, and I was my dad's worship leader at that time. And I knew if, if God get a hold of that lady and move her, she's going to come up out of that chair. And when she come out of that chair, she was going to start dancing. And when she started dancing, it was going to touch the whole church. Knew that every time. And so, man, when I'd, I'd lead worship, Harold, here's what I'd do. I'd concentrate on that woman. And the reason why I concentrate on that woman, I'd do, man, God moves that lady. We're going to be moving in this church, okay? And she got up and testified. Remember that? She said, you know what? God, God convicted me about chewing gum. And she said, so I can't chew gum no more. But that's not saying you can't. It's exactly what she said. And that, that's the way that it, removing the things that stop us from getting a hold of God. He says, this kind cometh by prayer and by fasting. Now, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, she's going to pull it up, okay? I'm, I'm going to read this to you. And, and you know the scripture. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, she's going to pull up verse 6. Now, watch verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In these last days, people, we're going to have to have faith like we've never had faith before. If, 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 if we, the staff of Hosanna School, Christian School, if we start to do, I think, the things that the God is, is, is telling me, and I hope he's telling Doris and different ones, things that, that God is going to do, they might want to come and close our door. We're going to have to stand for the Lord. We're going to have to stand for right. We're going to have to stand for God in this church like no one's ever stood before. When we say this, God is still the redeemer. He's still the baptizer. He's still the healer, and he's still the deliverer. He is still the resurrection and the life. We have to stand on those principles. And yes, there's things that God hates. And what does God hate? He hates things that are abominable. Amen? And here's what the apostle Paul said, which you were formerly, but you are not now because you came into the Lord and he changed you from darkness into light. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says this, Now faith is. Now turn to your neighbor right now, and Nancy, I'm your neighbor, and say, Now faith is. Now faith is. Say it again. Now faith is. It's a now faith. It is right now. Not a tomorrow faith and not a yesterday faith. It's right now. Now faith is. And I, I like this. And, and now faith, God's faith, and it's ready to be used all the time, any time you need it, all the time. It's got to be deep down inside of us. I'm going to say to Doris, I'm going to say she's praying, she's got a prevailing prayer that's going on right now for her daughter. For some reason, it's a prevailing prayer. But God is the healer. You speak to those kidneys and say, you will work. Amen. God is the healer. I'm going to go over to my sister, my, and, and, and my sister and my brother-in-law have been married for 55 years, and I need to say to her, God is the healer, and he's going to take care of you. And I need to start speaking faith into her. You might be going through difficulties right now. Listen, remove the foreign gods. Get a hold of God and say, now God is. Praise the name of the Lord, and let that faith grow inside of you. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your grandchildren. Don't give up on your great-grandchildren. Don't give up on this church. And listen, by all means, don't give up on this nation. I got people all the time telling me this nation's done. This nation's not done. All the church has to do is rise up and face the enemy. Praise the name of the Lord. And face, face him with faith like we've never had before. And you listen, and we might go to some prayer and fasting for the nation as well as anything else. We're going to have a time coming up here in just a few months. Now faith is. It's the substance, the very evidence it's thing, the very assurance that God's going to put into you, the very substance. Now, faith is the substance. When Peter steps out of the boat, he doesn't step into the water. He steps out on faith. Faith is solid and says that you can step out on that substance. What? Things hoped for. And what? when you're hoping for something and you're saying Jesus Christ is the hope of glory, we want them healed, we want them saved, I want my children saved, I want all of my children 
serving the Lord. I want all of my grandchildren serving the Lord. I want all of my great-grandkids down to the fourth generation, down to the fifth generation. I want them serving the Lord. And how are they going to serve the Lord? I have to get into some prayer and some fasting and say, God, you can do this thing. I know you can. And call on the Lord. Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. See the healing of God. See the deliverance of God. See God do these things. Because here's what it says. Without this, without this, without faith, it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. It's impossible to please God. Isn't it amazing that Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, everything's possible? And isn't it amazing that the writer here of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God? And what it's saying is, if you're a Christian and you're not using the faith that God give you, you're not pleasing to the Lord. Wow. I didn't get an amen on that, but somewhere in there's an amen. I might try that one again. Okay. What? Got one. What would we do without Kathleen? All right. So anyway, where was I? Faith. But we need to use faith. We need to use faith. Don, how did you ever get a sermon together with this woman by your side? How, how did you ever do that? <laughs> okay, let, let's go to one part. Okay, so now faith is. Okay, it's the evidence of things. Oh, I got you. Okay, thank you, Lord. Without it, without faith, it's impossible. Remember, Jesus said all things were possible if you have faith. And he says without faith, it's I- impossible to please the Lord. So when, when we don't use the faith that God give us, we're not pleasing to God. It's not pleasing to God when we, when we can come to him. And all he wants to do is give, give to us. So one thing about the psalmist David is when David was wrong, he threw himself on the mercy of God. He threw himself on the mercy of God. Listen to me, people, don't be afraid to throw yourself on the mercy of God and then just get up from where you're at. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and that rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's the mustard seed faith. And the mustard seed faith tears down the altars and the high places of the devil. The mustard seed faith. And what is that mustard seed faith? It's faith in God that nothing's impossible and that you come with prayer and fasting. And so, listen, every, the, Jesus did more deliverance ministry than he did healing ministry. He did more deliverance ministry than he did raising the dead. His, his major ministry was deliverance ministry. Isn't that amazing that we've taken it out of the Word of God and it doesn't exist in, in, in the church today? Isn't it amazing that we've taken out everything that God's given us to make us a powerhouse for the Lord that we've taken it out? When Paul the Apostle says, forbid not the speaking in tongues, yet he, see, he saw that problem 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, and here we are, we've taken it out of church. And why? Because there's power in that. There's power in the baptism. There's power in salvation. And what is that power? Because when that power comes within us, it gives us a hunger and a thirst just to go after the Lord the way that God wants us to come after him. Because listen, if I start fasting, he's going to feed me. How many of you got that? If I start fasting for the Lord, he's going to feed me. Amen? When I start fasting, the flesh is going to die, but the spirit man's going to grow because the Lord's going to feed me. And then when I start to fast, and then I have the right to get down there and pray and say, God, with you, there's nothing impossible. We can speak to anything on planet Earth. And Father, you said you would do it. It's not impossible. So, I want you, hey, I want you to bring this up for me, Deb. Second, Second Samuel 24 and verse 25. Watch this. This is Old Testament, 24, 25. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and, and, and offered burnt offerings and a peace offering. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. You want, you want to remove the plague from the United States? Tear down Baal. Tear down Moloch. Tear down the altars of foreign gods in your life. Tear down altars that have been placed 
and get a hold of God and build yourself an altar for God. And let me tell you how you build an altar for God on your knees, down on your face. Built an altar for God. Give him glory. And when you build an altar for God, let me tell you what happens. It pleases him and he'll stop the plague. You don't think that we don't have a plague in the United States of America? We got a blight like you've never seen before. We was talking in my office today. Why, why does the devil just want to dissolve the United States of America? Because it's still the best land ever. Isn't it amazing that nobody's clamoring to get into Great Britain? Nobody's clamoring to get into Germany. Nobody's clamoring to get into Mexico and Honduras and in places. Everybody. And, and then what the world wants us to think is that, that, that the United States is a black eye. It's a terrible place. But isn't it amazing that everybody's coming here? Isn't it amazing to you that they want to come here? And you know why they want to come here? Because they like the way we live. That's why they want to come here. You know why we live the way we live? It's because God's blessed us. Now listen, there's, there's something that goes along with that. Do you understand this? And everybody on that camera needs to understand this. That every person born in the United States of America will give an account because is born in the United States of America. And why is that? Because we're a nation that gives Bibles away. We're a nation that gives medicine away. We're a nation that when we go to war, we rebuild the, com the country that we tore apart. We're a nation that sends doctors everywhere. We're a nation that sends missionaries everywhere. We're still a nation, and it doesn't make any difference what the liberals want to say or what the godless people want to say we're still a nation of hospitality and we're still a nation that gives and I'm going to tell you when you're a nation that gives and is blessed God sees those things why does the devil want to dissolve that because it's good because it's good and the devil don't like good it's wonderful we're still a great nation but we have a plague and the plague is that we have allowed things to take place in our churches that shouldn't take place. Don't blame the government. Don't do it, people. You can blame the government all you want to blame it. It's not going to get you nowhere. Don't blame the government. Blame the church for taking prayer and fasting out of the word. Blame the church for taking the blood out of the word. Take, blame the church for taking the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit out of the word of God. Blame the church. And we have accepted those things. And now we have a blight. We have a plague that is destroying. And listen to what it wants to destroy. It wants to destroy our young people. Don't blame. Don't blame the government. The government's wicked. Always will be wicked. You can't do nothing with the government. It's wicked. The only thing that you can do is put good people in them places and do something with the wickedness. But government's wicked. You show me a government that's righteous. When we first started this government, it was pretty righteous. But now it's got a blight. There's a blight. Can you end the blight? Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about the blight. Let me tell you what David did. David, David, David didn't, get, didn't get bashed by God uh, because of his sin with Bathsheba. He, he, he committed adultery, got her pregnant, killed her husband, lied, and did all those things. Nathan goes to him and he says, you know, one, you, you know the story. And then Nathan the prophet says this. He says, you're the man, David. And David, whoa! And he said, but listen, God's wiped your sin away. He said, David, you're not going to get to build the temple. But God's wiped your sin away. And so David was really disappointed. And he can't, he can't. Because he's, he's, he shed blood. He shed innocent blood. He can't. So you know what David did? David did this. He said, okay, I can't build the temple. My son will. I'm going to make sure he's got everything he needs to build the temple. I'm going to bring in the lumber. I'm going to bring in the stone. I'm going to bring in the marble. I'm going to bring in the gold. I'm going to bring in the silver. I am going to... I'm going to bring in everything he needs to build this temple. That's David's heart because it's after God. And so now David, he numbers the people. And God said, don't number the people. Even Joab uh, said, David, I don't think you want to do this thing. And jo Joab is a guy that's not really a godly man. He, he, he's, he's a man in charge. Every, by the way, I think every pastor needs Joab. You know, we want to kill some people, but we can't, but Joab will. Tongue-in-cheek, people, I really don't want to kill you. If I did, I wouldn't let you know. Okay. But, but everybody, Joab, Joab, 
Ooh. And, and so, so when, when Absalom uh, is destroying uh, Jerusalem and, and doing everything he can, he can uh, and, and David said this, David said, don't kill my son Absalom. And Joab didn't care. Joab took three javelins and threw them right through his heart. And, and, and David's all upset. My son, my son, my son. And Joab says something. Here's what Joab said. Joab said this. He said, David, that boy was a mess. And he slept with your wives. He destroyed everything. And yet you would forsake the people and your army and the kingdom for that boy? He said, that boy needs to die so we can get everything. Well, you got to have that kind of Joab. Joab comes to David. He says to David, he said, David, don't, don't number them people. I don't think your God's going to be happy with that. And, and, and listen, in, in all the writings of the Old Testament, you'll never see where Joab said, my God. He always said, your God. He always said, your God. And he said, David, I don't think your God is going to be happy with what you're doing. David said, number, number the people. Man, God's fury comes on David. And he gives him three things. And our prophet goes to David, and he said, God says, you pick one of those things. And David said, I'm not going to. He can pick it because he's got mercy. <laughs> you didn't get that. He said, no, no, no. Let God pick it because God is a God of mercy. So let me tell you how David got rid of the plague. Let me tell you how we can get rid of the plague. In the United States of America. 24-25. Can you bring it up again? Watch this. And David built there an altar unto the Lord. And offered burnt offerings. And peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land. And the plague was stayed from Israel. What do you think that would happen? If we the churches would do that. Bring up 2 Samuel 24 and 25. And David built there. Is that the one I want? Anyway, I don't you know what I want. Okay, I, I want that in a minute. You're right. I, I can do that. I'm the pastor. Yeah, there she's giving me a thumbs up. Oh, I could blame it on you. Deb's a good lady. David, David, this, this is the answer to the United States. This is the answer to a church that's failing. This is the answer. David sinned against God, but taking a sense is okay. And because he did that, the plague is killing the people. Is not the plague killing the people today? Are we not dying physically and spiritually in the heaven? And so David builds an altar to the Lord, and he builds an altar to the Lord by direction of the Lord. Now listen to me. Pay attention here. Nothing comes free. Because, the, the, you know, the one who owned the threshing floor said, here, David, you can have it. I'm going to give it to you, the king. David said, I can't take it. He said, I have to pay for this thing. He said, I can't take it. He said, David, you're king. You can have it. He said, no. He said, I can't, can't take it. David had to pay. Listen, he said, he said, I will surely buy it from, for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, which has cost me nothing. And we, we need to look at the Lord, and here's what we need to say. Lord, we're sorry. We need to get in a, in a state of repentance, and we need to come to the Lord and lift up offerings to the Lord. David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and a peace offering. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land, and the plague was held. It says it was held. It was held for a while. It was held for David's time in history. Listen to me. Pray. Let's go for our time in history. What do you say we go for our time in history? What do you say we don't allow this plague to move any further our time in history? What do you say that we take that seed and we plant it because we know the littleness of our faith will grow into the greatness of our faith? What, what, what do we say if we're going to say it's not going to happen on our time? What, what if we say this, that we are going to build an altar to the Lord because we're going to tear down the high places. We're going to tear those, those altars down, and we're going to build this to the Lord because it's not going to happen our time in history. Because, listen to me, when the liberals re, 
when, when the liberals write this history, it's going to make the church look absolutely terrible. Do you understand that? But what happens if the church takes a stand and we write history? What happens then if we say this is our time in history and we're going to go to fasting and we're going to go to prayer and we're going to take that little bitty old mustard seed and we're going to plant it deep in the ground because this is the promise of God. This is what God said. And here's what he said. He said nothing is impossible for us. Amen. And if we don't have this faith, then it's impossible to please him. How many of you want to please him? We'll please him by burying that, that, that mustard seed in the ground and expecting it to grow. And in order for it to grow, water it and fertilize it and let God bring the harvest thereof of it. David built an altar to the Lord and he said, listen, I can't take this thing free. It's got to cost me. And listen to me, it's going to cost you and it's going to cost me. And what's it going to cost us? It's going to cost us the truth standing in the face of God. That God, this is the way we are. We've sinned against you. And Father, we're sorry. And we are coming to you and we're repenting of our sin. What would happen in our country if the churches would go back to the Bible and the God of the Bible? What would happen in our churches if we would go back to mustard seed faith? What would happen if we would tear down the altars and the ba uh, of Baal and Moloch? What would happen if we would tear down the, the, the uh, altars of Mammon? In 2 Kings, he, she's going to bring this up. In 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 8, they found the lost books. Now, now I'm going to read this. Watch this in 8. And, and Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, uh, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And uh, Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Now, now listen to what my subtitle says. It says the lost book. Hey, listen, the book was lost in the temple. The book, the Bible, it was lost in the church. They had taken the Bible and threw it in another room. I was doing a wedding with the young man, and, and he, wasn't, he wasn't a Christian. He told me he wasn't a Christian. And so we was, we was in the church that he had grown up in. And we was in this room, and it was an old dusty room. And there was just a book there, and I opened it up, and it was a book of baptisms. And I looked, and I said, hey, Jim, your name's here. And he said, what? I said, Jim, you was baptized and you were saved and baptized in 1959, and I give him the date. He said, let me look at that. He said, yeah, my dad baptized me. He had forgotten all about it. It was in an old room that was hidden. Let me tell you about the Bible. The book of Deuteronomy, the Bible, was hidden from them. It was lost in the church. It wasn't lost in in in, in, in uh, uh, David's house. It wasn't lost. It was lost in the church. Listen, we've lost the word of God in the church. And it was found. And when it was found, it was read. And a king got a hold of that who had been prophesied many years before. She's going to bring up the next verse. Watch this. Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me. This is the king. And for the people and for all Judah. Concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Great is the wrath of the Lord. And judgment starts where? In the house of the Lord. Great is the wrath of God today. And the wrath is because we have lost the Bible and it is hid right in our own sanctuaries. Somebody needs to pick it up and start reading it to the people and the people need to come to the Lord and let God do what God wants to do. And what does God want to do? He wants to show us mercy. He wants to save us and he wants to save our land. Listen, it's not God's plan to lose this country, not our time in history. Coming a day, what would happen? The high priest, I found the book of the law. Verse 13, he said, go inquire of the Lord for me, the king, and the people, God's people, concerning the words of this book that has been found. 
For great is the wrath of the Lord. Great is the wrath of the Lord against the church. Yes, it is. Great was the wrath of God against Israel. Great was the wrath of God against Judah. Yes, it was. But every time they repented, read the book of Isaiah, read it through, and God will say this and this, and this is what I'm doing, and he does it. And then he says, but my hand is not shortened. Hosanna, God's hand is not shortened. His arm is still, his hand is still out for us. It's not shortened. He says, for great is the wrath of God. Our fathers have not listened to this book. This is what he says. Now do according to all, uh, do according that all is written in this book concerning us. Would you stand with us? I'm going to show you a miracle today. Greatest miracle. First of all, repent. Repent. Tear down idols. They're in your house. Tear them down. They're in this church. We, 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 we don't have to do three or four songs, pick up the offering, do the sermon. We don't have to do that. Why don't we let God have this thing? See what he says. Well, there, there are so many things. Listen to me. If, if money's got a hold of you, if you're afraid of your security being taken away from you, it'll be taken away from you. Whatever you're afraid of will happen. A great miracle. Repent. Repent. Repent means turn from sin, turn to God. How do you, how do you leave one day one man and come back a new man? Tom Heath, I, he's got a lovely testimony. Tom Heath, he said, I walked out of one man and came back another man. And his wife, she felt guilty of the sin that was on her. And she said, I didn't want him to be a new man. She said, I wanted him to stay the old man because I knew I had to change. He, went, he walked out one man and came back another man. And you know why? Because he had a praying mama. And she wouldn't give up praying. And guess what? He went and told his mama, Mama, I got saved. Last of her sons. And then she went home to be with God in glory. Listen to me, people. Repent. Repent. Turn the TV off. I'm not saying you don't have to watch TV. I'm saying, but if it's God in your life, if football's God in your life, my goodness, do something about it. Whatever is a God in your life other than God himself, take up the faith as a grain of mustard seed. Plant it today. The littleness of all seeds will grow into the grace. Oh, ye of little faith. That's not a bad thing. You're still recognizing you have faith. Tear down the altars and the high places in your life. Tear them down. And then the last thing. Live according to what is written in the Word of God. See then what happens. I'm going to say that again in a minute. Go ahead. What do you got? Give, give, let me give you a... Where's the microphone? Um, while we were worshiping, I just went started praying in the spirit because I felt God's presence come on me really strong and you mentioned the scripture where Peter walked on the water mm -hmm. um, the Lord said to me that Peter walked on the water but he really walked on my word Amen. when I said come he got out of the boat and he walked on my word even though he was on the water it was my word that was carrying him and he said, trust in my word that I have spoken. I honor my word according to your faith. My word will carry and accomplish my desire for you, my child. I watch over my word to perform it. My word will give you strength. Yeah. And the church said, amen. amen. Yeah. Listen to me, listen to me. Let me say these again. God, God will start talking to you. I, I don't watch a lot of ministry on TV. I, I watch a lot of the old guys, don't it, Nancy? I like the old guys. I like the John Olsteins and the old guys. Because they don't preach my messages. So I preach a message and then I get on TV and somebody else is saying the same thing. 
And I, I'm saying, Lord, now the people in our church are going to think that I got that message from them. He said, let them think what they want to think. Okay? I tell you this, and my wife can vouch for this. I read the word, I put my messages together. I really do. I get up early, and I put them together. That's what I do. Doris laid hands on me one day, and Doris, remember what you said to me? She said, you're going to get your messages now through your prayer life. I got this message last night through my prayer life. I'd, and, and I'd been putting it together through the week, and I'd say, Nancy, write this down. She'd write it down. But listen to me, repent. I think the first thing that God would say to us is repent and watch God do miracles in your life. And for some of us, it's going to be really, really hard. But you'll find how easy it really is when God's in it. Take up faith as the grain of a mustard seed. Small. The smallness of your faith, you still got it. It can grow into something large. Tear down the altars. Tear down the high places in your life that have become foreign gods. And you say, I don't have any. I bet if you pray, God will show you that you do. That you do. And then live according to what is written in this word. Go back and get you an old translation where all this stuff hasn't been taken out. I, I use the New American Standard. I'm not really happy with it a lot of times. So what I do is I go back to the King James, see what it says. I do that. I like the King James. I like the New American Standard. I don't like the Living Bible. I don't. I, I don't care for these new translations. I, I, I have a difficult time with the Messenger Bible, and some of you like it. Continue to read it. That's fine. I have a difficult time with that. I have a difficult time with a lot of things. Okay? All, all I'm saying is go back to a translation where it all hasn't been taken out and see what God says. Because here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, you can be redeemed. You can be healed. You can be delivered. I can baptize you in me and give you power as you've never seen before. I can do these things. My word says it. He said, if you'll believe. And then the last thing I felt the Lord said as I wrote this. He said, write this down. I wrote it down. He said, then see what happens. Then see what happens. Would one of you take that? Then see what happens. Here's what, here's what he said in Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me of tithe and offering. And he goes on. And he says. And then he says something that's really neat. He says, prove me. Prove me. And see what I can do. Prove me. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. He said, I'll devour the seed eater. We like to talk about money when we die. Hey, it's more than money. It's our life. Would you join with me right now just to worship the Lord? I'm going to open up this altar. And if you want to come right now and just lay some things down at the feet of Jesus, that's all right. If you want to lay them down right there where you're at, that's okay too. If you want to give your heart to the Lord or rededicate your Lord, I, I would that you would come to the altar. Because Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. I'll confess you before the angels. So I'll confess you. But right now, just give it, give it to him right now. The Lord's dealing with you. I can see that. And I can see every person in this church. And I didn't even tell you to bow your heads. And you got your heads bowed. That's amazing. I mean, almost every eye in this church is closed and just looking, worshiping the Lord. Give it to Jesus. Tear down those altars. Tear them down that you never even knew existed. Keep this camera rolling because there's people that need to hear this.
places you didn't even know existed. Let God enter into every chamber of your heart, every room, every recess. Let him enter in everywhere. Repent. Repent. Because God's got to work for you. There's an altar. You can come to this altar. You can sit down right there where you're at, put your head on the back of your chair. You can do that. You can kneel right there where you're at. You can find the Lord any place that you want. You can come to the altar. Just give it to Jesus. Just give it to him. I know if you're like me, your grandchildren, give your grandchildren to the Lord. Father, I give my children to you. I give my grandchildren to you. I give my great-grandchildren to you. Down to the fourth generation. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I need to be a better husband. Forgive me. Father, I need to be a better, I need to be a better father. Touch me, Lord, right now. Forgive me. The prayer, just pray it. Father, I repent from having high places in my in my home. I, I repent right now from having altars in my home. I repent from that, Lord. I need to know you, Lord, in a, in a way that I've never known you before. I need to know you, Lord, that you are God. I need to know the miraculous in my life. I need to know. I need you, Lord. You might even just start saying, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. And then some of you might start saying, show me, Lord. I need to be shown. I need to be able to see. And he will show you and say, Lord, there's darkness in my life. Take the darkness out and bring in your marvelous light. You're afraid to die right now. Just give it to the Lord and just be honest and say, Lord, I'm afraid to die. And he's going to give you a peace that surpasseth understanding like never before. Especially us olders as we get to that place. Don't be afraid to die in this life. Don't be afraid to go to heaven. Don't be afraid. Let him touch you right now. What do you need the Lord in?